We serve communion tonight, so on communion Sundays I wear my robe. Not because it separates me from you who are in the congregation, but because it reminds us all that our salvation, our justification, the robes of righteousness that we wear before God are not our own. They are a gift from Him who has loved us and redeemed us. This robe was a gift from you when I received my doctrine, and I wear it to honor you and to remind us that God is the one who justifies us by His grace. Will you join me in prayer? God, we give you thanks for the opportunity to be together tonight on this Christmas Eve to celebrate your love, to remember the story of your grace, how you came to be with us, born as an infant child, but still never ceasing to be the God of all creation. Help us to understand a little something more of that this evening and come once more into our hearts and grant us the peace of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, tonight we remember once more the gift of God, the baby Jesus Christ, Mary and Joseph, the donkey made it all the way down into the manger here in front of me. And it is now the child is there with them, Jesus Christ, who is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. Even though he never ceased to be the mighty God, though he was the king. And the Prince of Peace. Yes, I know, I forgot one. If you want to hear the one I forgot, the one I left out, come on Sunday. And we'll tell you all about that one. But tonight we're looking at Jesus as the Prince of Peace. We've heard through the familiar retelling of the Christmas story that Jesus was king. But no, he was king. He was born outside, slept in a manger because there was no room for him in the place where the families were staying. If you read on in Luke and in Matthew, Jesus' early years were spent in exile, and then later in a carpenter's shop, as Luke 2 and Mark 6 remind us, people knew him as the carpenter's son, as the carpenter himself, and wondered, who is this guy that's telling us that he's the Messiah? When it came time to establish his kingdom, Jesus wandered seemingly aimlessly for three years. When he finally came into his own, his inauguration took place upon a hill called Golgotha. And Jesus claimed even then that it was for this reason that he had come into the world. John 18, Matthew 16, 21. The only crown Jesus ever wore was a crown of thorns placed on his head by the guards and the Roman soldiers who mocked him and his kingdom. No one thought there would be a kingdom that day because his royal throne was a cross. His inaugural address consisted of ten simple words that changed the course of the world. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. With those simple words of Jesus on a cross, some 33 years after his birth, all our Christmas wishes for peace on earth, goodwill to men, and Happy New Year became reality. Unfortunately, far too often, 
we fail to claim the peace that Jesus offers. If we truly did bend our knee to the King of Kings, all war would cease. But war is a reality of the world in which we live. In the Korean conflict, there were uh, over 6,807,000 participants and 55,000 people died. During the war that defined my generation, the Vietnam War, some 58 soldiers died. And since that war has ended, some 100,000 soldiers of the Vietnam War have committed suicide, reminding us of the impact that war has on society. For a long time, Americans thought war was a thing of the past. They expected to live in peace, then Desert Storm, and then suddenly on September 11, 2001, we were attacked on our native soil. 2,996 people were killed and over 6,000 others injured. The attacks on the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and some dying in a field in Pennsylvania refusing to be used to destroy our country even more. The U.S. response was war on terror. The battlefield moved to Iraq and Afghanistan. And you can see those on the slide in the front here who've died since 9-11 as of 2019. 308,000 in Iraq alone. 157,000 in Afghanistan alone. Peace is costly. War never seems to end. If it's not on some faraway battlefield, we fight the war amongst ourselves. Because it's our nature to want what we want the way we want it. From 1985 to 2005, Murders committed by juveniles grew 85%. What once seemed shocking to us still shocks us, but it's now commonplace. Shootings on school grounds. There have been 149 incidents of gunfire in school grounds so far in 2021 alone. The world lives in fear of COVID-19. We struggle with loved ones who have Alzheimer's. Suffering with heart disease and diabetes and cancer, there's an endless list of medical ailments, not to mention the alienation that we all feel, the loneliness that has become a part of our culture since 2019 and the reality of a worldwide pandemic. We still need friendship. We need companionship. We need partnership with others. And that need has increased exponentially. I would say what we really need, what we're really looking for, is peace. What can we do? Where can we turn? Where can we find that elusive peace that would stop war? That would stop us fighting amongst ourselves? That would draw us together instead of tearing us apart? Hear from God's Word, from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Remember, says Paul, remember, at one time, you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. 
But now in Christ Jesus, because of the birth of our Savior, because of Christmas, because God took on flesh and became incarnate, in Christ you have, who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace. He's made the two one. He's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Friends, where is our peace? True peace can only be found in Jesus. Jesus is our peace. Peace is ours only as we bend our knees to the Lord of Lords, to the King of Kings, to the Prince of Peace. In the 60s and 70s, hostility was expressed not through war. War had become less frontal attack, standing up and shooting each other across open fields. It was a war of ideology, the Cold War. And it found its ultimate expression in a single symbol for the world, the Berlin Wall. Built right down the center of town, separating Berlin into two nations, East and West Germany. Families who were once together were now separated for decades because of this wall that separated them one from the other down the middle of the street. On one side there was opportunities for a bright future. On the other side, evil and oppressive government. We were taught to emulate the wall in our dealings with those with whom we had ideological differences. We learned to be passive aggressive. We learned how to celebrate the joys that we had. We failed to consider those who had not. But Christ has come. Christ is born. God, Emmanuel, is with us, breaking down those dividing walls of hostility. Asking us all to seek out a new ideology, to recognize him as king. 1989, people around the world cheered as the wall came tumbling down. I think we had an affinity for seeing something in 1989 that almost rivaled an ancient biblical story, a true story of how God demonstrated he could break down the walls that divide us. He could give us the promised kingdom. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, we sing. The walls came tumbling down. But guess what? Joshua didn't do anything but listen to what God told him to do. He marched around the city, and on the seventh day, the priests blew the trumpets, and God gave the victory. He tore down the walls of separation. The walls that separate us today are still tumbling down. They may not be quite as visible as war. They are just as destructive. Hatred drawing ourselves into different camps. I vote this way, you vote that way, you can't be my friend, I can't talk to you. We have ideological differences. We have socioeconomic differences. We have pain. We protect ourselves. We act in ignorance, we refuse to communicate. All these walls are broken down and destroyed by Jesus who took that which separated us upon himself. We call it sin. 
and crucified it on the cross so we could be set free. This is why he was born. This is why he grew up. This is why he lived. And this is why he died. The Prince of Peace is Jesus. And it's only when we recognize that Jesus is the Prince of Peace that we can have peace. But we have to go farther, my friends, than just recognizing and saying, yeah, I recognize Jesus did that for me. We need to acknowledge it. We need to own it. We need to be willing to bend our knees before the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace. And only as we acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior, not just some baby in a, in a manger, some miraculous birth, but God, a very God, who came to show us his love and how to live together. Can we ever know true peace? Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of God, is not found in a place. The king of kings doesn't sit on a throne, pronounce laws and what we should do. But he rules in the hearts and minds of the people whose lives he transforms from within. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Jesus has torn down the barriers that keep us apart. So why is it that we who say we trust in him to be our Savior, our Lord, keep building those walls back up? That's what we do every time we fail to live in obedience to God's word and let Jesus be Savior and Lord of all. True peace does not depend on outward circumstance. It's not the absence of war. True peace transcends our circumstance. It proceeds from our hearts, from recognition and the acknowledgement and the relationship that we have with God the creator of all things, even us, through faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Romans 5, 1 and 2 tells us, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Jesus is our peace. He's broken down the dividing wall between us, uniting us as his people, uniting us in faith as one body. He's broken down those wise walls that divide us on the horizontal. We can be friends with one another. And more than friends, we can be family. Because you know what the secret is? You don't pick your family. Don't always get along with your brother and sister your aunt or your uncle, but you know what? They're family. And no one else can pick on them. You can say what you want about them, but boy, when someone else from outside starts to pick on your family, what do you do? You defend them to the death because they're your family. Guess what, my friends? We are family through faith in Jesus Christ. And we need to defend one another, even though we fight like cats and dogs, even though we sometimes don't really like each other, we still must love one another. God has broken the dividing wall between us. But he's also broken down the vertical dividing wall between us and God. That separation of sin. That's what the cross is all about. It's a reminder that God has broken down the divisions.
between us and his grace and between us and our fellow human beings. So tonight as we celebrate Christmas, a simple question for you. Do you need peace in your heart? Do you want peace in your heart? Then come. Come to Jesus. Come and receive the peace by receiving the Prince of Peace as Savior and Lord of all. Jesus combined us in unity as humanity and as God's people. Christmas reminds us of this. It's a combination of two words, Christ and Mass. Mass means celebration, Christ means Messiah. So it's a celebration of God's Messiah. May today be the beginning of a very merry Christmas celebration of Christ as we come together to celebrate God's grace at the table of the Lord. So we prepare our hearts. Brian, would you sing for us? <laughs> 